Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. So what I want to do this morning is I want to share about the infinity of God. The fact that we as human beings are finite beings, that there is a limit as to who we are, as to what we can do, as to what we can achieve, and so on and so on. And yet when it comes to God, we have to understand that He is infinite. That He is not someone that can be labeled. He is not someone that can be put in a box. He is not someone that we can even try and fit into our opinion, our view, our theology, our doctrine, because God is greater still. And so in light of that, I want to challenge a couple of things pertaining to what it means that God is infinite. In 2 Kings verse of chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, it says that a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. Can you just put down the mic, my microphone a little bit, please? It's just way too loud. Let me read it again. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, well, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And so lo and behold, she first responds with nothing. But then she is reminded that the only thing really worth any kind of value is this jar of oil. So she's quick to say that I have nothing. But then as she remembers and as she really takes a closer look as to what she has available, she realizes, well, all I have is this little jar of oil. And one of the incredible things we can, we can really get to in life is understanding this incredible truth is that when you get to the place where Jesus is all you have, you begin to realize that Jesus is all that you ever need. And so we might be quick to look at that which we have available in the natural. And we might look at to what we have and we, we look at that which we have and in comparison to what others have, we are quick to say, well, we have nothing. When it even comes to our own lives, when it, when it, when it, as it pertains to our ambition, the dreams, the vision that God has placed or instilled on the inside of us, it is so quick for us to compare ourselves with others and think that, well, as it pertains then to my vision, my dreams, my goals, my current reality. And when I consider in comparison and looking at that person, then I look at myself as nothing. I look at my dreams as not counting for anything because it is too small in comparison with what we deem of others' vision or dreams or goals as being so large. And so comparison becomes a destiny destroyer. She was unable to first realize what 
she has. What is available. Because in comparison to, to the others around her, she had nothing. And that became a mindset. And when the mind was challenged as to what do you have, that mindset said nothing. And so the question then even is this morning is, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? You see, the answer to that philosophical question is, is it depends on the outcome. If you desire that glass to get all the way to the full, if you desire for that glass to be filled all the way to the brim, and even for that glass to overflow, if that is the direction that you are going in, if that is the dream, if that is the goal, if that is the outcome, I'm telling you, you are going to be the kind of person that has an outlook on life as the glass is half full. But if your thoughts and if your goals actually is all about just going all the way down to a place of nothingness, a place of despair and a place of hopelessness, well then unfortunately you are going to adopt a mindset where the glass is always half empty. And so you could have people looking at the exact same glass. So if I were to give you a glass right now, and I would fill it to the place where it would be known as half. I fill it to its halfway line. And I were to ask you, what do you see? And I were to ask you, what do you have in your hand? There might be some who would say, well, the glass is half empty. But then there are others who would say, you know what, the glass is half full. And I believe this morning that I'm speaking to a people who have adopted a winning mindset, a victorious mindset, and people who understand, you know what, when I look at my life and I really consider what is available to me, that I am the glass is half full kind of person. Come on, if that is you, just give him praise. Verse 3, then he, the prophet of God, said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And so here comes the charge, the challenge. Go and gather for yourself some vessels, empty vessels from everywhere. So if she decided that she was only going to go and ask her neighbors for empty vessels, that was a decision that she made. If her limit was my neighbor or neighbors, that was a limit that she set. If she decided I'm going to ask everyone in my street, but I'm not going to ask the people in the street above or the street below, that was going to be a limit that she set. What was the word that had come to her? The prophet of God had said, go out and gather from everywhere. There's no limit. No limit was set. He did not say only from your street. He did not say only from your neighbors. He did not even say only from your little community. He said from everywhere. So we have to understand. That when God speaks to us, He speaks to us from the place of infinity. And while we are finite beings, 
we have to set our sights on things above and not those things that are simply eye level. We cannot and we should not adopt an earthly mindset or attitude. And this is why there are Christians who cry out to God, God, why do I not have anything? God, why is my life marked by nothingness? Lord, why is my life void of this? Lord, why is my life void of that? Lord, where is the blessing? Lord, where is prosperity? Where is this? Where is that? Where is this? Where is that? But you have to come to this question when you are truly honest with yourself and you are willing to be honest with yourself. You ask yourself, who was the one who set the limit? When you consider business, when you consider where you are looking for clients, it may be the fact that you have reached the ceiling or the limit or the scope of what you can produce because you've only looked to your street. You've only looked to your community. The question is, are you willing to go everywhere? I understand the dynamics of business where, hey, if you've got a certain product that appeals to a certain group of people, your target audience, yes, you're going to market your product for them. And you're going to ultimately sell to them and deliver to them. I understand that. But what I'm challenging this morning is a small mindset, is a poverty mindset, is a mindset that when you were to be asked, what do you have? Nothing. What can you do? Nothing. That that which comes out of your mouth might be hopelessness, void of power. And this morning I'm here to challenge that. For those of you who know me and have walked with me for some time, you know that this is the one thing that I do. Challenging a mindset. Sharpening every single one who would dare to listen to these words. Because the one thing that this nation in particular needs is a sharpening of the mind. A sharpening of a mindset. A mindset where we can understand that South Africa is alive with possibility. That Cape Town, and we can mention the suburb that you are in, the community that you call home, is alive with possibility. And so he said, the prophet of God said, gather from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. So he was making very sure that she was not going to go out and just try and find just a few of these empty jars. Gather as many as you can. And I want you to hear these words this morning because the Spirit of God is challenging each and every one of you, every one of us this morning with these words. Get ready. Prepare. Gather unto yourself all that is required for the season that is at hand do not just gather a few and so now the question comes what is your limit what is your limit what do you deem to be much even if we were to talk rant and scent this morning, 
Are you comfortable talking about thousands, but uncomfortable talking about tens of thousands? Are you comfortable talking about tens of thousands, but uncomfortable talking about hundreds of thousands? Do you know that there are people in the Christian church today that the moment the church, someone in the church or a leader in the church talks about millions, it's like they get ready to throw him with whatever they can. How dare the pastor talk about millions? And so the question is, what is your limit? Because you are the one who sets the limit. And so the word went forth, do not just gather a few. Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. The reason why the prophet of God had to make it very clear why she had to shut the door was to shut the door that leads to any kind of distraction. To shut the door to doubt. To shut the door to naysayers. What are you doing today? Oh, you're still doing this faith thing. You're still doing this dominion thing. You have to shut the door to doubt. You have to shut the door to unbelief. You have to shut the door to the naysayers. There are certain miracles that many of even the disciples were excluded from. When Jesus went to go and raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, he told the disciples and everyone else, get out. And only those closest to him and the father and the mother was allowed to be in that room to experience and witness that miracle. So there's certain situations. There will come moments in time where you might need to draw into a place of isolation. I'm not necessarily saying where it's only just you. Because there's a lot of people who just want to isolate themselves and justify just being by themselves. But meanwhile, they're struggling with fear. They're struggling with the spirit of rejection. They're struggling with all of these things. And they justify that, well, I'm, it's just me and the Lord. There's a time for that, yes. But also, do not just say it's just me and the Lord. And meanwhile, you are still entertaining that spirit of fear, that spirit of bondage, that spirit of rejection, and that orphan spirit. Because a lot of times Christians love to say things that sound so noble. It's, oh, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. The reason why you do not put yourself into a situation even like this morning is because there are many who would not even dare to be in a place of vulnerability. They do not dare to be in a space of accountability. Where your brother, your sister who knows you can keep you accountable. But then also on the flip side, there are those who just want to come along for the ride. But there will be moments in time that you have to be sure as to who you let in on this. Because while she was going to be pouring the oil, she could not have had anyone saying, what are you doing now? Why are you pouring out all the, like, are you crazy? Are you mad? Stop doing this. 
I'm telling you, the moment someone would have said something, a word of unbelief that was released into the atmosphere, the oil would have stopped flowing. And so she was not going to allow anyone to come between her and her breakthrough. She did exactly as the prophet of God had instructed. For those of you who've walked with us for a long time, you would also know that the anointing is in the instruction. You have to do as has been instructed. If she never poured out the oil and she would only sit among all of these empty vessels, nothing would have happened. So she had to ensure she did exactly as the prophet of God had instructed. Verse 5. So when she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she then had poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Now, now just hold on there for a moment. The Bible does not say, oh my word, the oil is flowing. It's flowing slower and slower and slower. I, let me just, like, oh, there's the last drop. How many jars do we still have left? Oh, nothing. Okay, that explains it. That's not what happened. So in other words, you can be led to believe that the flow of the oil running in was still running at the same flow. That there was no indication from the little jar of oil that she was pouring into this large pot or large vessel. And I mean, she had many. We do not know exactly how many. We do not know what her limit was, whether that was 20, 50, 100, 200. We do not know exactly. But there was no indication from that which she had in her hand. That which represents the supernatural. That which represents the infinite possibilities of God. There was no indication from that little jar of oil that the flow is starting to change. There was no indication that, hey, I reckon we're at the end of what is available. Because if she still had another ten jars or vessels that oil would have flowed as strong until the very last vessel even if she then had 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 more this the oil only stopped or ceased not when they really ran out of the jars but it was when she asked the question how many jars of, of empty jars do we still have? None. And then the Bible says, and it was then that the oil ceased. So in essence, you can ask yourself, and I love to see things in a picture. That's how my brain works. I, I can see, I mean, it, I can tell you what's happening in this room. I can tell you where what is. I mean, this is how vividly I see this. So picture this for a moment. Here is this woman who is emptying this jar of oil that is flowing. 
And maybe what they did is they just took these jars and just put it underneath. You know, take the one, move the other one, just take it. And so then I ask myself, is it then possible that this woman who had this faith of just emptying it out, hey, you just make sure that there's a pot underneath, that there's a vessel underneath ready to contain that which is coming from heaven. And it was then that she was maybe seeing, hey, the oil is falling on the ground. I do not see a vessel. Do we still have any more vessels? No, we do not. It stopped. You see, and I want you to really hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you this morning. Right here and right now. Do not limit Heaven did not run out of oil on that day. It was the earth that ran out of vessels. Something supernatural happened that moment that she entered into that house of hers. And when she had shut the door, what happened was heaven opened up to them and for them. And now we ask ourselves this question, if that was possible under an old covenant, how much more do we not have access to far greater? Because even in that story, which is not just a fable, it's an actual event that took place, a real life event. But in the story, we have this woman who had nothing left. The creditors were coming. And back then, it wasn't a matter of just taking the house or taking the car. They were coming for the kids. They were going to take the children and sell them into slavery to be able to pay the debt. So she was going to lose her sons after she had already lost her husband, a man of God. That is a desperate Situation. Some people might say that is a hopeless situation. But she understood that there is yet hope. And she was going to do exactly as she had been instructed. And that's what she did that day. And the beauty of it is this. How it concludes. And when she had said to her son, bring me another vessel. He then said, well, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, well, now go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. Through this example, we once again see the fact that God is El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. He is not the God who just simply meets your needs. He causes every area of your life to begin to speak of the overflow. That's who he is. I do not believe that her vessels were just filled halfway. I do not believe that she had filled those vessels just, you know, with like a 20 centimeter or 15 centimeter or 10 centimeter Gap to the top. I believe she would have filled those vessels to overflowing. 
because she understood that with God, there is no limit. And so now even applying this as a principle to our own lives, you want to start that business. You want to start that ministry. Or maybe it is that you just want to get into that space where you want to own property. You want to purchase that vehicle. You want to ensure that your children get the best education that money can buy. The question is, who is setting the limit? You might have thought that that home in that suburb is out of reach, is it? Who set the limit? You might think that that particular vehicle is out of reach, but who set the limit? You might think that that high school or university or just primary school or maybe even the pre-primary school is out of reach, but who set the limit? I told you that I was going to challenge some mindsets here because we are so quick to just revert back to that which we know, to that which we've always known. While there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong, I should say, in, you know, being born in a community, working in a community, getting married with someone in the community, living in the community, and then retiring in the same community, there's nothing inherently or necessarily wrong with that. But the question is, is do we find ourselves in that scenario or situation because we never dared to believe that there might be something greater out there. Who sets the limit? That's the question. We are finite, but God is infinite. And so as we get ready this morning to honor the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, and also get ready to sow seed. And even, I want to just say this already in advance, for next week's Sunday, which is going to be our very special first fruits morning. Even as we get ready to prepare our first fruits, the question is, who sets the limit? And so as it comes to honoring the Lord with our tithes and our offerings and sowing seed by faith, or even if it is that you already want to just make this pledge this morning, as a first fruit offering to say, Lord, I'm going to give you the very best. I'm going to give you that which is going to come through from this very first deal that I'm going to secure for this year. Lord, that I'm going to honor you with the first of my increase. I'm going to honor you with that which comes to me, the first of which belongs to you. That can even be a pledge this morning. It's not about necessarily putting something physically in the envelope. This is but a point of contact. Saying, Lord Jesus, I trust you. And this morning, I'm believing. And I'm standing with each and every one of you and us by faith. That today will be the day. That every limit and every spirit of limitation is broken off of you is broken off your family, is broken off your finances, is broken over your business. 
so that you can enter into that place of true biblical prosperity where it is not God lavishing you with all kinds of things to just enjoy yourself. True biblical prosperity means that God not just meets your need, but supplies you with even more so that you in turn can meet the needs of those around you. So that you, in other words, can not only be blessed, but that you get to that place where you are blessed to be a blessing. And so let's pray as we take these offering envelopes in our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity this morning to respond to this message by faith. We know that with man, it's impossible. But with you, all things are possible. Father, I thank you that in the very same way that this widow's needs were supplied supernaturally, even under an old covenant, Father, I thank you that this morning you will come through for every single person, every married couple, every family, every business, every ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that this is the year of access. I thank you that the door is opened up wide. And we declare that we will boldly enter in and grab a hold of the fullness of what you have made available to us. We receive it. And we also make this decision this morning that we will always honor you with our tithes. We will always honor you with our offerings and that we will sow good seed in fertile soil knowing that you are the one who gives the increase. We thank you that every need is supernaturally met right now in Jesus' name. As every single one even vows to make a decision to put you first in all we do. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can come. You can come to the front. You can sow your seed into the offering. You can just release it. Every person who's watching or listening even right now, as those come to, to the front, come to the altar to, to sow, you too can be a part of this this morning. You can go to the website, dominion.org.za. You can click on give or you can just go directly, dominion.org.za forward slash give. And you too can be a part of this. I want you just to pay attention to these words written in Mark 11 verse 23. It says, truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. And 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace, that means every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, 
be self-sufficient. That means possessing enough. Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. You see, even here from the Word of God, once more we have this confirmation that God not only meets your needs, but He also comes and He reveals Himself as the God of abundance, the God of the overflow, the God who is absolutely infinite. And so with that, I want to also just read a couple of verses to you. You can just make a note of these verses. These are just quick, short verses. Jeremiah 32, verse 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Job 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can ever be thwarted. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Luke 1, 37, For no word from God will ever fail. Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Psalm 139, verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And then Isaiah 40, verse 28, it asks this question, or even questions, do you not know, question mark? Have you not heard, question mark? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and in his understanding, no one can fathom. And so as it then pertains to God, I want us to understand that there are three words in essence that we can use that illustrate the fact that God is then infinite, unlimited, and unmeasurable. And when you consider these three words, although we might use them interchangeably. There are certain overlaps and there are also certain key differences regarding these words. The word infinite means limitless or endless in space, extent or size. Impossible to measure or to calculate. Unlimited means not limited or restricted in terms of number, quantity or extent. And then unmeasurable, not measurable of a degree, extent, or amount incapable of being measured. But again, when we look at certain things from a worldly or a human mindset, from our perspective here on earth, when we even consider, for example, the universe, it might be easier for us to rather just say, well, the universe is infinite. <laughs> The universe is unmeasurable. Because when you really begin to understand and comprehend the fact that there are what scientists would say 
trillions of galaxies out there. And each and every one of these trillions of galaxies in turn have trillions of stars. Of which those trillions of stars usually have some sort of solar system attached to it. So in other words, there are some planets circling those stars as the earth and the planets in our solar system also revolve around what we call the sun. And so it is easier for us to just say, well, the universe is unmeasurable. And so we can very easily get to the space where we think that just because something is large, it is massive, it is therefore unlimited, or it is infinite, but it is not. If we truly had the machines capable of counting every one of the stars, we would find that indeed it is not infinite or unlimited. But we, and in our earthly minds, our human minds, we do not have the ability to even count that high. And so even with machines, I'm talking about some powerful, powerful, powerful supercomputers that are even connected to one another, are not able to calculate the fullness of space. But what does the Word of God say? What is God's perspective over that which we call infinite or unlimited or unmeasurable? He looks at the stars that we cannot even count. I mean, we can hardly even count all the galaxies, let alone all the trillions of stars in every one of these trillions of galaxies. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God is the one who calls every star by name. When you really consider the field of astronomy, not astrology, astronomy, when you behold the heavens through your telescope and you study the things that's happening in the night sky, things too far for our naked eye to even really see and observe, and even with earthly, earthbound telescopes, you know, it has a limit, it has a ceiling. And you begin to understand that which takes place. And if you've ever considered the field of astronomy, you will find that many of these stars, they don't even have names, they just have codes. Codes, it's, it's like a code that is assigned to these stars. Even other celestial objects are assigned numbers to re for referencing purposes or for catalog purposes so that you can find it again. Because they've divided space up into certain areas and obviously if you find a celestial object in that area it will take on that number and there's a sequencing number so in other words what i'm getting to is this is that we run out of ideas there's no way that we can have a name for everything and so that is why it's easier just to have a long number for something and so we look at that which is a lot and it is human nature then to revert to just numbers but God does not revert to numbers. He still calls every single one of them by name. And it is not as though they are those, like we would have in our English language, for example, and we name people. It's not like there would be a John, and then there's John the second, and then there's John the third. It's not as though God would run out of names 
or run out of ideas. When you consider even our own solar system, there's not one planet that looks alike. Do you know that even the planets in our solar system don't all revolve around their axis in the same way? Some spin clockwise, others spin counterclockwise. And that even baffles certain evolutionists. The reason being is that if you were to have a, call it like a merry-go-round, and you are spinning it clockwise, for example, and you, go, you get that thing to go so fast where people start flying off, they are going to fly off, count, or, or they're going to fly off clockwise. In the same way that you would have these, and Afrikaans are really tall, but you go, the top that you throw. If you were to attach many of them in the same kind of way on the string and you were to throw all of them together, they would all spin the same direction. But even in our own universe, well, sorry, our own solar system, different planets rotate into different directions. Even when you consider like the earth, 23 and a half degrees at a slant, at an angle, other planets also have been rotated to a specific angle. Not one alike. Different. Even the characteristics, when we get so close and we can observe and study it, it's different. And I'm wanting you to just get a little bit of a perspective here this morning as to who God is. Then we haven't even gotten to the three divine attributes of God. I'm sure you will all know this, the fact that God is, number one, omnipotent. That God is, number two, omniscient. And then number three, that God is omnipresent. The word omni means all. That's what omni means. Then when you consider just this first one, as we would say in English, omnipotent. Omni, all. Potent then. What is that? It's power. It's dunamis power. So God is not just, as we would say, all powerful. He is actually all power. That's who he is. And so I want you to know this morning that you've got a friend in high places. You have someone that you can call upon who is not just powerful. He is all power. That's who he is. And you would make the biggest mistake of your life if you think you're going to exclude the one who is all Listen to this, Ephesians 3 verse 20. In the Amplified Classic, we all know this so well, and I've shared and I've touched on this on former occasions, but I want to just zone in and hone in on this this morning. Ephesians 3 verse 20 in the Amplified Classic, it says, Now to Him, now to Him, who by in consequence of the action of His power, that is at work within us, is able to carry out His purpose and do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Did you grab a hold of that promise? Let me read it again. Now to him. So to who are we, 
are we saying this? Of who are we saying this? Of God. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us. Now let's just stop there for a second. Whose power are we talking about? God's power. And God's power is infinite. God's power is unlimited. Because there would be those who would look at the scripture and say, well, you see, it's about our power. And we are limited in our power. Yes, you are correct. You are limited in your power. But we're not talking about your power. We're not talking about your ability. We are talking about His power. That the Bible says is at work. Where? Within you. Now I want you to just pay close attention to this. The word power in Greek is the word dunamis. What does that mean? That is where we have the English word dynamite. Dynamite. So I want you to consider the power of God, not as just the power of God. The power of God is not just some flame. The power of God is not just some sort of big fire. The power of God is explosive. It is the explosive power of God that has the ability to totally and utterly and radically and suddenly turn your whole life and situations around. And now here comes the big question of all is where is this power? The Bible says it is within us. And this is where you typically lose half the audience because they're offended. And then there's a quarter that says, I'm still going to check you out because I just want to run to this one and that one because you're a mystic, you're a spiritualist, and you are new age, and you this and you that. People love to label people in this day and age. I'm preaching scripture. I'm expounding on scripture this morning. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to those who love to watch, love to run with stories. According to His power, at work where? Within us. So many religions revolve around this central theme. They seek beyond what potentially can already lie within. Why is it that so many Christians then seek beyond? They strive beyond. They seek beyond. Failing to realize that which is already within. And so when the Bible talks about this and says this, according to his work, the work that he's doing in us, his power that is working in us, that word work is energio. And that is where we get the word energy from. So in other words, when you consider the work, it's not like God, and I'm saying this with respect, to just sort of show you how ridiculous it is, how people, many Christians, limit God. Because they sort of look at that which God is doing and working on the inside of them. It's sort of like God just having this admin job here. Because, hey, we, know all, we all know someone who, who's at work but not at work. Some of those heathen colleagues of yours. They're there but they're not there. 
They're there, but they're not there. Present in body, absent in mind. We say, hulle, die lichte brand, maar daar is niemand by die huis. And this is not me talking about intellect. I'm talking about just sluggishness and laziness, and they just don't want to. And so we can get a torted view of a work, of job, when we think about it from that perspective, because of how it's been presented to us. And so I, I want you to understand that God is not sort of doing things on the inside of you during certain office hours. Hey, come to church on a Sunday morning, then the power is there. Then God is working within you. It's limited though to Sunday morning, Dominion Church, 10 a.m. till 12 or whatever the case may be. No, it's not. Again, the question is, who sets the limit? Who sets the time? Because God, who is infinite, hey, He wants to work in you 24-7, 365, and even 366 days a year. Who sets the limit? Who sets the boundaries? Who says, God, year two and no further? Who is the one who says, God, I allow you into my life. Hey, but there's this area. Hands off, do not touch. There's a lock and a key required to enter into that part of my life. Who sets the limit? And so we cannot call upon an unlimited God when we still have a limited belief or a limited mindset. That is why many of us ask amiss. And in essence, we ask in vain. Because we are coming to God, not in full surrender, not with a hunger, but we're coming to God with terms and conditions that apply. And God says, I do not do red tape. I'm not into fine print. My word does not say that I love the world so much that I gave my one and only son so that whomsoever shall believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. Asterix, terms and conditions apply. God does not do fine print. He does not do red tape. So who sets the limit? When the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Who sets that limit? No, I don't believe he can really, like really, to that extent, I don't think so. Who sets the limit? I don't believe God can raise people back to life. Who sets the limit? I do not believe that God can heal. Who sets the limit? I do not believe that God can transform my marriage. Who sets the limit? Is it true that bad things happen? Yes. Is it true that even sometimes bad things happen to good people? Yes. Is it true that there are certain things that happen that even myself as a pastor, as a man of God, someone whom people many times knock on the door and ask me these tough questions and I do not have an answer, does that happen? Yes. I mean, Jesus in John chapter 11 stands at the tomb of his friend, Lazarus, who had died. And the shortest verse in the Bible says, and Jesus wept. That verse that many people would have 
love to have just omitted from the Bible because that is not the picture that we should have of Jesus. My Jesus, I mean, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the shortest verse in John 11, Jesus wept. There's certain things, certain situations and conditions that moved him. There's things that I do not have the answers to. And it's in those places often where words fail and tears begin. And even with the understanding and the knowing that even in that moment it is the Spirit of God who connects with the Spirit of God. Deep crying unto deep. Where our language fails us. We have reached the limit of what is possible through human language and expression. And it is by means of the Spirit of God that we are able to bridge that gap. Where words fail us. And all we have is the Spirit of God. And so I believe that even right now, the Lord is just touching people. Even right now, I see Him imparting to you. Creating within you a greater hunger and desire for more of Him. If you will only begin to realize what is possible, what you have access to, who it is that is working on the inside of you, bringing about all of that which you've been praying for, believing for, as the Word of God says, over and above, all that we dare ask or think, infinitely, and I want you to have a look at that word infinitely. Beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. So there are certain limits to our human or earthly language. And God is saying, and even confirming to your spirit this morning that even if your own language fails you and you have reached the limit of expressing yourself in this language God is able to still go and do super abundantly over and above everything and anything you even dare ask to think or say. And so that's what he wants to do. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, 
your favorite podcast platform or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.